Today on Seculo, a major update, a big win for Trump in the immunity case at the U.S. Supreme Court. Keeping you informed and engaged, now more than ever, this is Seculo. We want to hear from you. Share and post your comments or call 1-800-684-3110. And now your host, Jordan Seculo. All right, welcome to Seculo, folks. Well, we've got one of the two that are pending at the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, yesterday evening, a certiorari was granted. The idea that this uh, appeal for a stay from the Supreme Court on the immunity case uh, for moving forward uh, and the idea that it could be converted into an actual uh, oral argument and uh, with full briefing. And, Dad, you were talking about that yesterday fairly confidently that you thought that's why it had been taking this amount of time because in a usual stay, it's either yes or no. Uh, but they, but that because of the, the uh, briefing that was filed was so significant that it was like merits briefing and that the court could use that to determine whether or not they wanted to actually take this up as a writ of certiorari. Yeah, so the court has options when they get it. They A certiorari petition was not technically up there. I mean, so no this one is, asked for that. No. So here's what you had. You had a well, – all that was pending was a motion to stay the proceedings – pending the filing of a certiorari petition. Instead, the court, and of course the government objected, saying this thing needs to go to trial, the Department of Justice. Instead, the court, on its own motion, and we're going to break this down in the next segment, or the segment after this, we've got Mike Pompeo coming up. What the court did was they converted it to a a certiorari petition, and then the court itself granted, wrote the question that they wanted to have answered, which is really, it happens, but it's very unusual. And we want to go to that question. It's, it's right there. I mean, this is only—it's a one pager, just for people. I mean, we can and put it's up an a, order, not an on the screen. This is an yeah. order. I mean, this is kind of how it comes. It's not, but all these words matter in these orders, and this is where it starts. This is the only question that should be answered in the uh, briefing and then oral yes. argument. And let me tell you something else before you go to it. And the mistake that lawyers make is they don't answer the question presented. Right. So when I just told our team for the brief we're filing, all I want to do is answer the question presented. That's what we need to do here. So this is the question presented. There's kind of two or three questions within the question. Whether and if so, to what extent does a former president enjoy presidential immunity from criminal prosecution for conduct alleged to involve official acts during his tenure in office? That is the only question presented. And Dad, in the next segment, I don't want to do it right now, but we're going to walk through how that one question you can answer answer multi parts of it and kind of get get to where you want to be, but also then just determining what are official acts. I mean, that is something that could go through an entire new uh, round. Well, you of would have course. to have a hearing and to determine. So, for instance, on the election issues, right. I would argue that those, of course, are official acts. The president has to on the execution clause yeah. of the Constitution has to faithfully execute the laws of the United States. Yeah. He believed. They were not being that they were not executed. being faithfully executed. So as president, he took action. So then the question is, and look, he, he, this we're going to really break this question down yeah. because, folks, it, to me, it's signaling where this case is going. And that's why the left is going crazy right now on this. And even on CNN and MSNBC, they said this was a huge win for Trump. And it was. It wasn't what his lawyers asked for, but it's what I suspected. I said it yesterday. I think it was yesterday. I said, I believe this is what the court's going to do. It's like you almost don't want to ask the court for this because this is better than getting a stay. 
Yeah, because well, and they, and they did say the mandate. So it is nothing a, it, can I mean, go it, on in the district court. Right. The case has stopped. Yep. So this is the. So you've got the. We're waiting for the disqualification clause case Still that out should of Colorado, be uh, yeah. hopefully tomorrow. Um, I would like to see it before Super Tuesday. Yeah, because we got an Illinois judge who did who went the other wild way. that we'll tell you about. Yeah, we come up, and next. then we've now got this. So, and the ACLJ involved in all of these. Yes, folks. Uh, again, we've got an Illinois judge. We're going to tell you about who thought. You know what? I think I could kick Trump off the ballot. Illinois Board of, Edu- uh, of Elections didn't think they could, but they decided to. And by the way, they didn't stay it. Pity the Supreme Court, though. I do think it will be shut down uh, fairly quickly. Uh, they are trying to again. Dirty up President Trump, and you're seeing these elected judges do just that. We will be right back on Seculo. Continue to follow all of the updates through our social media, through the broadcast, and of course at ACLJ.org. We'll be right back with Mike Pompeo, a member of our team and at the ACLJ on Seculo. The challenges facing Americans are substantial. At a time when our values, our freedoms, and our constitutional rights are under attack, it's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line. We could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at aclj.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. aclj.org. After nearly 50 years, Roe versus Wade, the tragic ruling that manufactured a so-called right to abortion has been overturned by the United States Supreme Court. This is the moment the ACLJ has been fighting for. It's the biggest victory we've achieved in our three decade long fight against the soulless abortion industry. And believe me, abortionists like Planned Parenthood are devastated. This victory would not have been possible without the steadfast prayer and support of ACLJ members like you. On behalf of the entire ACLJ, I thank you for standing with us against the abortion industry and helping us save defenseless babies. I thank you for making this victory possible. And I ask you for your continued prayer and support as we continue to battle against barbaric new abortion laws across our nation. Secchio, we are joined by our Senior Counsel for Global Affairs, former Secretary of State and CAA Director Mike Pompeo. And Secretary Pompeo, I think this immunity case, uh, you could speak to it very well as someone advising the president on top issues, both as a CAA Director on some of the most classified um, uh, infor- information and decision making and uh, uh, different kind of options available to the president. Same goes when uh, you were Secretary of State. Again, very big decisions to make. The Jack Smith case against President Trump, though, took a major hit because the Supreme Court decision to rule on uh, decided that they were going to rule on presidential immunity rather than just uh, issue or not issue a stay. What are your initial thoughts on this move by the Supreme Court? 
Well, John, I'm I'm not surprised they took this up. I think this is an important case. I think this is something that needs to be decided. And I I agree with you. The uh, the prosecution by uh, Jack Smith uh, is going to be impacted greatly by this. Uh, But I think that's just fine. This is how this is how our legal system works. I'm glad the Supreme Court didn't just uh, push this off or uh, delay this indefinitely. I, I hope they'll take it up. Frankly, I'd love to see them take it up more quickly because this issue needs to be put to bed. There, there are elected officials today. There are executive branch officials today who will. We, we think of this in the context of President Trump, but there are current folks, right? The Biden team is sitting there. They're facing the same risk as well. The work that they're doing can be greatly impacted by whether or not it's the case that the act that they're taking, their their efforts to deliver on behalf of America, are actually things that someday some attorney general or some special prosecutor or some special counsel could decide to prosecute them for. You know, Mike, I was thinking about this. I mean, you know, I was in meetings with you and in the White House when we when you were the, serving as Secretary of State, and I mean, a lot of and there's attorney-client privilege issues when you're you know representing the president, but. This immunity thing is a big deal because the idea that after you leave office, which is what the Court of Appeals said, basically your immunity vanishes and you could be prosecuted for an official act that some you know, U.S. attorney thinks is a crime would affect the advice you as the Secretary of State would be giving to the president. If you've got to look over his shoulder with a battery of lawyers every time you discuss an issue with real advice. Uh, Jay, there's no doubt about that. That is certainly true for cabinet level, senior level officials, but it's true for other seniors as well who are all going to be thinking, well, who's who's monitoring this? Who's taking notes on this? Which one of these is some prosecutor going to second guess and say, boy, what you did there was unlawful uh, to suggest as the, the appeals court did? And I, I think the Supreme Court will definitely overturn this central idea that they put forward. The idea that somehow when you leave office, you are simply now a citizen and have no protections for the actions that you took in your official capacity uh, would really shape conversations, actions, uh, decision-making processes, all of the things that you saw, you witnessed uh, when senior leaders are trying to do good work on behalf of America. It cannot be the case that the day that a president of the United States or the day that a cabinet official leaves office, they no longer enjoy the protection, the immunities that they had while they were in office. That just can't simply be as a matter of constitutional law or as a practical matter for for practitioners, for those of us who are actually trying to do this. Well, you know, I was thinking about this in the context of the current administration, like you just said. If I was the Biden administration, I wouldn't be too happy with Jack Smith's argument, because if his argument's correct, when Joe Biden leaves office at 1201 on January 20th, whenever, whether it's this time or next time, well, is he going to be subject to, like, you know, I didn't enforce the border laws correctly, or I, so I let Americans get rid of the, you got local U.S. attorneys for another administration starting? This is where no one thinks through the consequences of what they ask. But Jack Smith has a history of overreach. And I think this, is it fair to say, Mike, in your view, that this impacts the functioning of government at the highest level? 100%. 100%. You're, you're right. I, everyone puts this in the context of President Trump because that's the context in which this case has arisen. But the, the current leaders, decisions about whether people will actually decide, I think I'll take a position in the next administration, whoever's administration that is, these are all going to be impacted by whether, in fact, you are protected and you're trying to do your lawful decision-making process. Your, your point's exactly right. Here's another example. Imagine that the next president comes in and says, you know, the fact that you forgave billions of dollars of student loans was illegal. Indeed, the Supreme Court said it was illegal. And you went ahead and did it 
And, you know, we're going to prosecute you. We're going to put you in jail for having worked on that. Some official in the Department of Education or the Secretary of Education or the president himself. It, it has to be the case that uh, our most senior decision makers have the uh, ability to be protected for the work that the, the constitutional work they're doing while they are elected officials. Yeah, and I mean, and this is a case, of course, then goes to then is while they're elected officials and then it's the acts they did while they were elected. So because the lower court, uh, Secretary Pompeo said, you're protected while you're there. But at 12.01, when if uh, someone else is swearing in, all those protections fall off, which means they were never protections at all. They were just, so I think the Supreme Court, however they they end up with this case and whether it goes back on other things on official versus unofficial acts and how you define that, that sentence right there cannot be the law of the land. No, Jordan, that's nonsense. It can't be the case that protected acts become unprotected the moment you step out of office. That's that's no protection as a matter as a matter of fact. And I, I I am I am very confident that the Supreme Court will rule directly on that point and rule that that's absurd. I think that I suspect the way that you know it's interesting history in this case because they weren't asking for a cert petition. The Trump's lawyers they were asking for a stay. And I I said on the broadcast our broadcast yesterday, Mike that I expected exactly this to happen, um, that they were going to, um, or the day before, actually. The yeah, I said, because it kept taking, and the longer it got, first you start thinking, normally they refer this to the court, and then an order comes a couple of days later. Here, we don't even show on the docket sheet that's on the Supreme Court's official website whether it was referred to the court, which we now know it was, because it says the application to stay was presented to the chief and referred to the court. Um, it was the special counsel requested that they treat the stay application as a petition for certiorari. Because at that point, they were trying to see if they can make up any time. What I don't think they expected was that that would be granted and argument would not be until April 22nd, likely a decision last week of the term, which is usually the end of June or the 1st of July. And and I think the way they wrote that question, to me, it's indicating that there are at least five justices that think the D.C. Circuit got it wrong. If the opinion were to stand, though, Mike, if this D.C. Court of Appeals opinion were to stand, how would have that affected your ability, without you know getting into details, of communicating with the former pre- when you were when you were when he was president and you were the Secretary of State, one of the highest ranking officials in the United States? How would have that affected the functioning of your communications with him? Jay, I I, I think about the fact that we already have so many lawyers in the U.S. government. <laughs> Uh, controlling and shaping how work happens, this would this would put, be that on steroids. Now, every senior official, and indeed presidents and their national security advisors and the White House team around them, and folks like you, Jay, who are working to try and help presidents effectuate their policies, either as personal counsel or advisors, it, it would shape everything. It would it would create a monkey wrench in the system of staggering proportions, because everyone would realize that the actions that they were taking in the, some of the most difficult conflict, some of the most difficult, complex legal issues, some of the most difficult constitutional issues, every one of those was subject to challenge. And the moment that they walked out the door at noon on the 20th of January, when their term in office was over, they were subject to criminal prosecution. It would it would create a, a, a train wreck for decision making for every administration, not just a Trump administration or a Republican administration. Secretary Pompeo, as always, we appreciate you joining us. Part of our team at the ACLJ as a senior counsel for global affairs with all that insight into what it is to be a cabinet level advisor, both the, you know, the seriousness of issues you're advising on the CIA director and secretary of state and why this case is so important. 
long term. I think when you when you appeal, take things to the Supreme Court, they don't just think in President Trump and they don't think in just President Trump and Biden and, and Jack Smith. They think we're going to issue something that could have long term effects on how a president is able to do their job and those around him. So thank you, Secretary Pompeo, for joining us. And Dad, I mean, that's that's I think what they don't sometimes realize when they're taking it to the U.S. Supreme Court is they think big. Well, they think big and they think because, institutionally long. Yeah. So, you know, John Roberts as the chief justice is looking at this and saying, this is going to affect the operations of government here. So, folks, this is becoming, this is a huge case, not just for President Trump, but for the functioning of the executive branch of government. Now, we've got a little bit of experience with that, Jordan and I, because we had the three cases involving the president and the separation of powers with the functioning of the executive branch of government at the Supreme Court when he was president, we argued, right? here actually because we had to do it during COVID and so this is a natural follow-up for us in this what I want to do in the next segment is really break this down because yeah, the question down. there's a because commentators who I respect that are friends of ours are, are are getting really confused here and I've been doing Supreme Court practice for 40 years so I'm going to break this down line by line if you're watching on any of our social media feeds right now and a lot of you are we encourage you to like it share it with your friends uh, so we have more people involved in the conversation. But I'm going to break this down. Literally, I'm going to go line by line in this order. And we're going to break down what it means. All right, folks, you don't want to miss that. Of course, stay updated at ACLJ.org. If you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe because we've got more cases we're awaiting at the uh, U.S. Uh, Supreme Court. I mean, obviously the big case on the 14th Amendment, Section 3. Now we have a briefing schedule. And another oral argument and another Trump case before the U.S. Supreme Court in this term next month. Um, the briefing due from us is due uh, March uh, 19th. I mean, very so soon. very, very soon. We're our talking team, to our lawyers right now yeah, while we're on here. Our team is already on it. So that's what you're doing when you support the work of the ACLJ at ACLJ.org. And our team was already on it last night, uh, getting the team together to prepare that brief that we'll be filing at the Supreme Court. We'll be right back taking your questions. After nearly 50 years, Roe versus Wade, the tragic ruling that manufactured a so-called right to abortion has been overturned by the United States Supreme Court. This is the moment the ACLJ has been fighting for. It's the biggest victory we've achieved in our three decade long fight against the soulless abortion industry. And believe me, abortionists like Planned Parenthood are devastated. This victory would not have been possible without the steadfast prayer and support of ACLJ members like you. On behalf of the entire ACLJ, I thank you for standing with us against the abortion industry and helping us save defenseless babies. I thank you for making this victory possible. And I ask you for your continued prayer and support as we continue to battle against barbaric new abortion laws across our nation. The challenges facing Americans are substantial. At a time when our values, our freedoms, and our constitutional rights are under attack, it's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line. We could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, 
Well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at aclj.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today, aclj.org. Folks, we are going to start taking your calls on this too about uh, how important this issue, uh, this, this uh, again, certiorari being granted in this immunity case is uh, for uh, President Trump and how it, uh, again, it sets back Jack Smith. I mean, Axios, at least being honest, the Supreme Court hands Trump a huge win before it even hears his case. And you can walk through that, as, you know, it's just two paragraphs, but it really gets to a couple things. One, uh, of course, there's no stay because you don't need a stay because right. nothing is going to happen in this case line line. at all. So let's let's start with that for people. And then call us with your questions, 1-800-684-3110. Remember, this is the case where it was about obstructing acts of Congress, the, all of that. It was Which is also at the Supreme Everything Court right up now. to the line of, it was not, they did not charge uh, bring a charge of insurrection. I always want to make that clear. But there are, yeah, someone is charging, is already challenging at the U.S. Supreme Court uh, one of the uh, charges here, which, uh, which, which, is, which are two counts for President yeah, Trump. Yeah. So let me break it down. Let's start with the first sentence. Yep. You want you read it. So I'll preserve yep. my voice. Yep. Just go first sentence and then I'll so, explain it. OK, so it says the application for a stay presented to the chief justice is referred to him uh, by him to the court. OK, so normally you get that order, Jordan and our audience within 24 hours of when you file the application for a stay. That did not happen here. They they stopped. They did not. There was no evidence, at least on the record, that the court keeps where it says refer to the court for a stay. There was no indication that that happened. I said on the broadcast, I think Wednesday or Tuesday, that I expected that that did happen. So we now know that the application, because the chief justice on his own could have dealt with the stay, but he referred it to the court. So that meant all nine justices got the stay application. Okay. Next sentence. All right. The special counsel's request to treat the stay application as a petition for writ of certiorari is granted, and that petition is granted limited to the following question. Don't do the question yet. So this was interesting. When the Remember, Jack Smith in December tried to jump over the Court of Appeals. Yeah. Supreme Court said no. Then the Court of Appeals ruled, and then they took Trump's people took it up as a stay, not a certiorari petition. Just they wanted it stopped, and they were going to file the certiorari petition. Jack Smith said in... His response will at least treat the, the stay as a cert petition, which is not an unusual practice. They did that. So the court then, it takes four justices to grant a stay, uh, to grant a certiorari petition. There were at least four votes at that point to hear it. But then the next sentence says the petition is granted limited to the following question. And what you read in a minute, that question was drafted by the Supreme Court, yep. not the parties. Right. So normally, like here, and I'm holding up our red brief, and we're, we're counsel of record for the Colorado GOP on the merits in the case involving disqualification, 14th Amendment. We had in there a question presented. Did the Colorado Supreme Court err in ordering President Trump excluded from the 2024 presidential primary ballot? That's the question presented that the parties put together. This one, the court drafted. Now go ahead and read yeah, so it. And we're going to break it. this down. This is very important. And then again, uh, yes, we're going to break it down for you, but let's just read the single question presented, whether and if so, to what extent does a former president enjoy presidential immunity from criminal prosecution for conduct alleged to involve official acts during his tenure 
in office. All right, this is very important. So the court drafts the question. First thing they say, is, the question is whether, So, in other words, is there, and if so, to what extent, you got to focus on the, and if so, what to what extent. That indicates to me that a number of members, may not be a majority, I don't know that, but a number of members of the court thinks there is immunity. Right. Now the question is whether there is immunity, but also what is the extent of that immunity? And does a former president, this was the thing I, I said the D.C. Court of Appeals got wrong, enjoy that presidential immunity um, for official acts during his tenure? The answer to that has to be yes. Because if it's not yes, it means that any president could be brought up by any U.S. attorney, on criminal, former president, on criminal charges. So we just had Mike Pompeo on. You're talking about a senior advisor to the president, right? I mean, he was the secretary of state. Or how about us? Counsel to the president. And we're giving advice. And we say, no, this doesn't violate 18 USC, whatever the code section is. That's a criminal code. Well, under this rule, under the D.C. Circuit, at 1201, he became citizen Trump. Fact is, he doesn't become citizen Trump. Still a former president of the United States. Is President Bush going to be signed because sued or criminally because there were no weapons of mass destruction? Or how about, you know, President Obama? I could go through all of them. So... I think the court got that wrong, but the way they drafted the question, whether and if so, to what extent does the former president enjoy this immunity for official acts? So here's the real question. Did the district court develop a record on whether these were official acts or not? And I think, and the answer to that is no, they did not. So that's where I think this ends up going back down. That's why I don't think this case goes to trial, even if he lost this year. And I don't think he's going to lose. Go ahead. So, I mean, you think, uh, again, that they end up, sending it back to decide what I think you're going to say there is immunity right. now you got to determine are these official acts what you're what you're saying we're and on the election issues which is what the january 6th stuff is i would say that goes under the execution clause of the united states the president as commander-in-chief has to faithfully execute the laws of the united states he thought they were not faithfully executed next yeah. line yep yeah. okay so this is important too without expressing a view on the merits this court directs the court of appeals to continue withholding issuance of the mandate until the sending down of the judgment of this court, the application for a stay is dismissed as moot. Okay, so they, they decided we don't need an application for a stay because we're hearing the case. That meant there were five votes to say no mandates issued. What does that mean? They're, when they say without expressing a view on the merits, they're not making a merits decision whether it was criminal act or not a criminal act. They're making a legal determination. That's what the court's going to do as to does the immunity apply and what is the extent of that immunity? And does it apply, and this only if in the case of official acts? The district court's going to have to make the determination whether these were official acts or not. The interesting thing is the mandate, um, the court froze the court of appeals and the district court. Nothing can proceed in these lower courts while this is pending. So the case is stopped. No discovery, no motion practice, no witness exchanges, no no evidence exchanges. The case is frozen. It's not going to be the next sentence talks about argument is going to be the week of April 22nd, which which is the last week that they hear all arguments. They didn't expedite this like they did in Colorado. Colorado, they had that argument, remember, on, on February 8th. I mean, it moved in record time. Um, here, they're not doing that. It's still the last week of the term. So we've got to file our brief on March 19th, which our team's already working on. But what it means is there's likely not a decision in this case until the end of June, the 1st of July. 
So the idea that there would be a trial in August or September is not going to happen. I mean, I don't think Judge Shunkin would even do it. I just don't think she would do it. Even the the, the liberals, uh, Eli Honig said this uh, today, a bite uh, 22. This is an argument that we don't know the answer to. I mean, the Supreme Court has recognized a form of civil immunity for certain federal officials, including the president, going back 40 or so years, so long as they're acting within the scope of their federal job. What we don't know is, A, is there any form of criminal immunity? The Supreme Court's ever- yeah, okay, so that was the wrong bite. Do you guys have the right bite set up now? We don't have time for it. We don't have time for it. We don't have time for it. We'll get we'll back it. to a second half hour because what they're saying... There could be some, like, sliver. That's, like, their liberal hope of, of, again, that, like, someone would try to start this. When you and- when you hear the bite we want to hear, he says, clearly, this is a big win for Trump. Yeah. So we'll play that when we come back from the break. Share this with your friends. Support the work of the ACLJ at ACLJ.org. You talk about that. Yeah, I mean, again, how things shift so quickly at these legal matters from Georgia Fascinating to— Fascinating times. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. Tomorrow's and- the, the closing arguments in the Georgia case. Yeah, right. And so we'll get that next week. And then we know there's going to be another— Trump case at the U.S. Supreme Court we're filing it. We'll be right back. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at aclj.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. ACLJ.org.